This is Sean Smithgall and Taylor Stuber, your host of the PGT Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore different topics related to postgraduate training preparation for pharmacy students. Through our series, we hope to give a down-to-earth, enticing discussion on how to prepare for postgraduate training application. We're lucky to have with us today Dr. Jacob Callahan and Dr. Lauren Butler. They're both pharmacy residents, PGY1s at Huntsville Hospital. Lauren and Jacob, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. The session today is brought to you by the PGT Jelly Trivia. So my trivia question today is chef hats, those little poofy hats that chefs usually wear. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. They're formally called a toque. So why do they have all the little folds in them? So what are the reasons the little folds in the chef's hat? Well, from my experience and knowledge of chef hats, there's always a little mouse inside of it <laughs> operating. Goodness, I have no idea. My guess, just from experience, would just be, since I'm a messy cook, that it's to hide all of the food that's flying up and getting on your hat. So we have a rat tattooey f- <laughs> food in the that hat. Be like a hairnet in a way. A hair, see, okay, so the, and then the I was thinking you were going with hairnet, Taylor. I didn't know you were going to go with mess of food in your hair. So the actual answer is uh, it, it signifies a hundred folds and, it, and it's supposed to signify that they can prepare eggs a hundred different ways, which is supposed to show their expertise level as chefs. Interesting. Very interesting. I would have never guessed that at all. Let's go ahead and dive into the topic today. I'm excited today to be talking about reference letters, which is obviously a very important component of the application process and something that might not be as as intuitive as some of the other components of the application. So first and foremost, how do you all go about getting reference writers? Like what was your strategies or process in doing that? Um, for me, it was based on like clinical rotation and someone who could speak to like my clinical abilities, as well as I got someone I worked. So one of the preceptors to speak to about my work ethic. I think that, but also making sure that you have someone who is writing a letter for you that has seen or that you've been able to demonstrate your character and personality to very well so they can speak to how you interact with others. I agree. What I would add is that you're going to go through your rotation too and not under, not know like, okay, is my next rotation going to have a good reference writer? And am I going to get enough reference writers by the time I need to turn in my applications is to really think of every preceptor as a potential reference writer when, it, when we're just thinking of APPE rotations. And so kind of like targeting from day one that this could be a potential reference writer and, and planning for that. That would be my advice. I agree. Um, I did that on my cl- rotations, just asking them at the end if they'd be willing to write me a positive letter. And they were very appreciative of that because that gave them a chance to like write down things about me and what I did well, what I could improve on. So instead of emailing them way in advance and they wouldn't remember a lot, you know, it just gave them that opportunity to write stuff down. Keyword positive, right? Yes. <laughs> have, did you ever have any of them say, I don't know if I can do that, or I'm not sure I can write you a positive one? I never had one that was unsure of the ability to write me a positive one, but I did have a couple of preceptors who would say, well, I'm glad you asked me this early because I only write for three or four students a year. So 
that's something else to consider when you're on rotations, to look at your rotation schedule and guess which ones you would be interested in writing about you if it is a clinical rotation to have those on your radar. Those are great points. And so kind of just diving in and and expanding on some of this a little bit more. Who? So most programs are requiring at least three unique reference writers. So who are the people that you were targeting for that? I was targeting um, my preceptors during my fourth year that could speak to those clinical abilities and me making presentations on their rotations and interacting with nurses, other pharmacy technicians. Well, I agree with what Lauren's saying, but also like she was saying in the end about how you communicate with nurses, that does go a long way for a preceptor if they see you making confident recommendations while on rounds or if you're um, on the floor to just walk up to nurses, but also physicians and being able to say exactly what you think with the evidence to support it as well when they're when you're asked why. And I think there's, there's always the, you have your APP rotations. You also want to probably try to secure at least one outside APP rotation reference writer. Not that you're going to use these folks, but you never know with specific programs what they will require. But usually if you have work experience, someone from work, and then maybe possibly someone who can talk about your abilities as a leader in any professional organizations or things like that, if you have significant experience there. Oh, I was just going to add that that's a great point about looking for preceptors or previous bosses to write letters of recommendation, because you have to be careful looking at programs. They'll have very specific requirements for who they want rec letter writers to be. And some will say specifically, we do not want more than three and they all three have to be clinical or they'll say we need one that's clinical, one for a character reference and one that's a previous boss. So that's something really important that you need to look at when you're applying. Otherwise you're putting in all that effort to not even be offered an interview just because you miss a requirement. And I also saw a lot of programs I applied to strongly discouraged having like an associate dean or dean write you a letter. Did did they rationalize why? I think they just wanted to see, you know, day to day, someone that had seen your clinical abilities and you making recommendations and how you interact with people. And a lot of times the dean doesn't see that. I mean, there are different situations, you know, if you're close to the dean or he's your mentor, but that's just what I saw on some websites. So you all had mentioned places had specific requirements about reference writers and most of them are requiring three. So did you all have more than three write letters for you or have you heard of people asking more than three and then having some people attached to each program for for their references? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had asked more than three people to write. I think I asked four. The way Forecast works is you can link different ones to which program. So that's kind of how I went about it. Uh, That's the same case for me. I had four rec letter writers. A lot of places will say we want a max of four letters, but no more than three. But from my experience talking to people and asking for recommendations on that, it was to always submit what the requirement was, which was three. So Mm -hmm. don't submit the max because they're probably not going to read if you submit more than three. But yeah, so I did have four and I took very similar steps. If I knew that one of my professors had a connection to another institution, then I would use them on that application. And I don't think you're going to hurt anybody's feelings by asking someone to write you a letter and then come December say, you know what, you're on vacation. You don't have to write me that letter. They're not going to be like, how dare you? I was looking forward to this. Um, 
So I'm, I'm like, the more the merrier, the more people you can secure as potential writers, the better. Also consider too, who's writing you the letter. When we say letter, we don't actually mean physical letter. It's a, it's like a survey that they fill out on forecast, answering specific questions and filling out some survey questions related to your clinical capabilities. But think of who's writing it and are they a good writer? So did you all target like specific reference writers because you were confident that they could write you a good letter or did that even come up when you were making the consideration? I did target mine based off of who I thought would not only be able to speak positively about me, but someone who I trusted to sound very professional and be very transparent in a letter. I did the same thing. Um, I ended up asking four and then probably used more of the same three. Um, not that one was worse than the other, but I just thought one would, a couple would speak more highly and saw me interact with more healthcare providers. So I ended up going with those. And I think you all brought up great points about those who would be very transparent and speak to your abilities. And I think you also have to think about reference writers who are going to speak to areas that you can continue to improve and um, be construct provide constructive comments to some programs because residency year is going to be a year that you can grow and they're going to and residency program directors and programs are going to want areas that they can identify from reference writers that you can continue to grow in the future so i think those are all good points switching gears a little bit so we've talked about who to target for reference writers but when is the best time or when would you suggest asking them or trying to secure reference writers? Because we all know like once mid-year rolls around and then the application process starts, things can get moving pretty quick. So when would you say is a good time to ask them and maybe even how to ask them at that time? I did it if I was doing a um, clinical like preceptor, you know, at the end of the rotation when, you know, we'd kind of go over how I did on the rotation and think ways I could improve. And after we got good feedback, I, that's kind of when I asked them if they'd be willing to write me a positive letter of recommendation. And then I touched base kind of after mid-year or around that time and to actually like send them the information, send them which programs I was applying to. That way they could use all that to write the letter of yeah, I like that. Sending them why you choose each program. I think that helps them tailor your letters specifically to what you want to do. Like even letting them know, like, I want to be this type of, here are my goals, here are my short long-term goals and things like that. So I, that's what, it's exactly what I tell students that ask me is send me a list of the programs you're picking, why you're picking those programs. Not that I'm necessarily writing individual letters, because like sometimes they just say generic letter of uh, reference, and I just fill in the boxes. They send that same one, all the programs. But letting me know what to focus on, because that's what's in their letter of intent, will help, you know, boost that letter of intent if I'm also identifying, want me to reflect upon like sp specific clinical capabilities or maybe pediatrics or cardiology or infectious disease type of things that they did. Taylor, what do you usually tell, what advice do you give to students who ask you to write a reference letter? So I, uh, once I agree to, and we kind of have that discussion and I agree to be their reference writers, then I usually tell them to, most, most students tend to ask me at the end of, end of rotation that they have with me, but what I tell them is to kind of follow up with me in late October, mid-November to just to kind of touch base again and remind me of everything. And then once mid-year rolls around, I, I usually have them, I have a, a set sheet of 
characteristics of the program that they're applying to and then some of their reasons for applying to those to those places and just to kind of so I can gear my individual letters towards those towards those specific programs along with their uh, like you just mentioned career goals and um, short and long-term goals so more of a formal table that they fill out and send to me so that then I can tailor my specific letters to to those programs so those are all good points and even if your preceptor doesn't ask for those I would just suggest going ahead and sending that anyways because it might be a good reminder to them and can kind of get their mindset when they're writing those letters and everything. So um, those would be my kind of just suggestions about that. Yeah. Cause we usually pull up y'all's evaluate, like evaluation from when we had you on rotation and that's what we use. We look at our, like our comments on each of the categories and things like that to pull into the letter of reference. Cause that's the only time we had when we did evaluate you clinically. So we're going back in time. So it helps us pull out those things too, that match up. Would there, so would there be any reasons that you might not ask a specific preceptor or faculty member or any of the above to write a rec- recommendation letter for you? I don't know. Some preceptors that you're on rotation with might have like a lot going on or, you know, might not be as like trustworthy to like submit something on time. So that's kind of when it helped me like decide. Or put as much thought into the submission and that situation. So I asked a I asked a preceptor once. Uh, I did not use the word positive. I didn't say, "Can you write me a positive letter of reference?" But I asked a preceptor, and he said, "Are you <laughs> Are you sure you want me writing you a letter?" Which by that this and remind this was on call. This was my acute care rotation, but it was an oncology rotation, so I butchered it. But this was one of my only clinical rotations, so I was in that situation where I was like, "Well, I only have three clinical real clinical rotations before mid year." And this is one of them. So I said, will you write me a letter of reference? And he's like, you sure you want me writing you a letter of reference? I'm going to be honest in it. <laughs> and I was strapped. I, that was probably a situation I should have said, no, thank you. I'm good. Uh, but I did let that person write me a letter of reference that I probably should not have. And he knows who he is. And he's probably listening to this right now laughing. But I would say if they give you any indication that it's not going to be a good letter, then don't do it. Because people who write you letters are honest. They will be honest. If you did, They're not going to fluff the letter. Most of the time, they're not going to fluff it to make you sound better than you actually were. They're just going to be matter of fact because they know that programs are going to... That's not just a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. If they say something in a letter and they send a candidate to a program and that candidate completely underperforms and does not do the things that they stated they were capable of doing on their letter, then future references from that person and things like that are just going to not be hold to as high of a standard. So your reference letter writers are going to be honest. So just the, just take that in consideration. And I think that you want to find letter writers that are going to be honest and can provide some constructive feedback for potential programs. Because like I mentioned previously, you know, residency year is a time for you to grow. And so they're Programs are going to want to identify those areas and it's it's helpful for them to have that in those letters. And I think it's going to be more, they're going to be more believable in those letters that aren't just highest expe- or exceeds expectations in every single category without any further detail or explanation. So I think, I think that's something good to consider too, is that you're going to want to ask people who are going to be able to be honest in, in those letters. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Like I asked one of my first preceptors and they were able to like see me grow and be more confident um, making recommendations. So I think that is really important. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you for all the insight and input you had uh, for reference writers, a very important part of the application process. So thank you, Lauren and Jacob, for being here today. And thank you to our listeners to tuning into this episode of the PGT podcast. Bye, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.